Okay, looks like we are live on YouTube. I hope that um, everybody enjoys kind of the new ambiance. I got, uh, and I'm gonna post this video, I kind of did a little tour, uh, what goes for a tour of a little uh, eight by eight area, but I did a little tour of the, uh, my little studio here. And you can probably tell the difference if you guys watch uh, from week to week on the differences right now in the lighting. So I actually went and wish app which is actually pretty cool for getting some very cheap stuff. Uh, on the Wish app, I got some, basically their photography, uh, these little photography lights up on stands with full spectrum lights. I'm probably gonna have to have something from the down if I'm gonna wear a hat, because as you can see, there's a little bit of a, a shadow right here. And I'm also wearing my I Believe hat that I designed and made myself. And they're gonna be offering these for sale at some point in the future. The first demo that they sent, the V's a little bit off. So once I get that fixed, then I'll be offering those for sale. But anyways, let's uh, let's get straight into the, the episode. So as always, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everybody listening wherever and whenever this podcast finds you. Uh, thanks for tuning in today and welcome to the Bitcoin Weekly Wrap-Up. This is for the week of October 4th, 2019. I'm sorry that this uh, is actually getting out on Friday. Usually I have it done Thursday and it gets out Friday morning, uh, but my wife is actually out of town, so I am uh, watching the kids all by myself. So uh, daddy daycare and I got a little bit behind. Um, this week's weekly roundup, as always, is sponsored by eToro, who's a trusted smart tra uh, trading platform that's over 12 years old and they conduct about $1 trillion dollars in trading annually. They offer a lot of really cool tools uh, that helps you be the best trader that you can be. U.S. customers uh, can now trade with the most popular crypto assets. They have transparent low fees and they have some really cool stuff like the virtual uh, trading uh, wallet. So basically you can, you get like $100,000 in fake dollars and you can practice your trading strategies. You can see how they pan out before you actually risk real money and you do this on real books and see how it actually really uh, respond in a real trading uh, environment. They also have some very cool stuff in relation to copy trading. And what this does is that you can actually copy the trading strategies of the top traders on eToro. You can find, you know, how well they've been performing. You can find these traders and the reason you go like, why would they want to reveal their secrets as far as for, you know, how, what they, their strategies are and show people, you know, what they're doing and when they're pulling out and all that. Well, it's because they actually make money doing it. You pay a very small percentage fee uh, of the profits that are generated by copying their trades. And this way they actually earn income. So if you are a little bit concerned about how well you can trade, you can actually just copy a successful trader. Uh, and if you are actually a very good trader, you can go on eToro and actually make passive income doing what you're already doing, which is pretty cool. So why don't you go and connect with 11 million other traders and you can discuss everything from trading strategies to charting, all that kind of good stuff. Head over to diginocrypto.com slash eToro. That's E-T-O-R-O. And you will sign up through that. And it's an affiliate link. But what that actually does is it helps me. Uh, and it helps them let them know that you are a listener of mine and uh, that you appreciate them being a sponsor. But also, uh, once you uh, do the minimum deposit there, they're going to give you 50 bucks. So everybody wins. You get 50 bucks. They're happy with me. So let's just uh, let's just all be a happy, happy family here. <clears throat> Excuse me. So let's go right into price. Uh, the price seems to have stabilized for the short term, short term, a little over eight thousand dollars around in there. And as we, you know, usual in this space, uh, 
people are calling for either rebounds or breakdowns. Um, some are calling for price, price breakdowns down to the uh, support levels of 6,000 or even 3,000. Uh, but, you know, those of us who are passionate about Bitcoin, its fundamentals and opportunity for the future to, you know, build in, um, you know, we're just going to continue to build and continue to develop and continue to help uh, spread the word to everybody about you know what a revolutionary thing that bitcoin is so don't be disheartened uh by by price breakdowns and if you're you know like i said i think last week if you're this is your first real one welcome to bitcoin this happens all the time um so the first story that i wanted to talk about was probably the most egregious that i'd seen this week and it was really highly publicized in in the bitcoin space so you're probably already well aware of the very topical aspect of it, and excuse me, uh, that was EOS getting slapped with about a $24 million fine for conducting an unregistered security sale. The problem being that they raised over five or $4 billion in their token sale. And to be clear, I don't think that there should be regulations kind of in terms of this. I think that a caveat emptor or buyer beware should be the default. Um, I, I don't think that people should be protected from themselves. I think that um, if they don't want to do their own research and want to invest $10,000 in something like EOS, then that, that is a very expensive lesson. And if you don't learn from that lesson, you're never going to get, learn regardless of what regulations say. Um, but the SEC's use for penalties is supposedly to be a deterrent factor. And this is anything but as they raise $4 billion. Uh, and... That's going to give you a $3,976,000,000 profit or over 99% ROI uh, for running an unregistered security sale. That's not a deterrent. That's like saying, okay, go ahead, everybody, right? But that's not actually the case in a way because I think what the, the grossest part about this is if you connect two more stories where I kind of went a little bit deeper into it, um, Saya, which is a token that raised uh, $120,000, and it's like a cloud storage network where you rent out um, you know, space on your computer, and when it's online, people can use the Saya token to use some of your space, and then you get a portion of that token uh, for you know as payment. Uh, but they got slapped with a $250,000 fine for the same thing. So what's the difference? How can they... Um, I, you know, how could one project profit over 99% and another lose 200%? And in my opinion, it's nothing but connections. It's the, you know, it's, it's one that's tried and true in Washington. Uh, one of them played a very tried and true method that Washington plays and the other one didn't. So EOS back in June, if you go back and look at the stories back in June, they hired a lobbying firm, uh, Holland and Knight LLP, and they are a international law firm. They have over 1,300 lawyers under their practice. They are not a small firm. They're a very, very big firm and an established firm. Uh, they also have extensive ties to, uh, you know, in, within government and especially within this current administration. One of their lawyers that's on the Block.One team, uh, which is the largest stakeholder on EOS, so the ones that launched EOS, um, one of the, the lawyers... Uh, that specifically on that team previously worked for the Trump administration on uh, their congressional relations team trying to get um, Congress to go along with their nominee picks and other stuff like that. Uh, and a partner at the same firm became the general counsel for the director of national intelligence. Uh, this, of course, it's all speculation on my part, but I think it's a valid observation uh, given 
you know, the evidence that's been presented and what we've seen in the results. So one firm employed a, or one project employed a firm that has extensive ties in, into uh, uh, government and they got off with a 99% ROI on that. And another one just kind of fought them in court and they lost 200% uh, on that on that token sale. So take that for what you will. Uh, the next is another update on Libra, uh, which has had another bad week and cracks are kind of appearing in the association and kind of indicating I might've been wrong about their actual ability to launch. So the House Financial Services Committee has called on Mark Zuckerberg himself to testify. and basically said that they, they're gonna have, um, I think she's the COO, uh, Cheryl Sandberg. I'm not 100% sure if she's the CEO or not, but she's very high up in Facebook. She is set to testify, but they said they won't finalize um, the hearing until Mark himself agrees to testify himself. And this kind of indicates to me um, that Congress wants to let Facebook know that they have all the leverage and the amount of leverage that they have. They're constantly putting pressure on there. And I think it's obviously this kind of game where what are you going to give up for us to be okay with this sort of thing? And I think this fits well with this so-called leaks on the, on, a, on a phone call that Mark Zuckerberg was on when he indicated that he was also too very concerned with KYC. And maybe he is. I don't know. Um, that he's very concerned with KYC on Libra, you know, the ability of drug dealers and terrorists and everything like that and his willingness. Um, and, and, but also alongside that, he, he was quoted as basically saying that he's willing to fight the government in court if push comes to shove. And I don't think this leak was accidental. Things like that a lot of times, especially in this context, don't happen accidentally. It's just another gambit, a public gambit in the games that the powerful play. And the leak indicated that, um, you, you know, this leak basically says in two parts, like, I'm willing to work with regulators, but I'm also willing to fight. And this shows that Libra is going to undergo some fundamental changes in how their blockchain functions compared to what was released in the white paper. Um, the last bit of Libra news as well are the, about these cracks that are kind of beginning to emerge. Visa and MasterCard are rumored to be having second thoughts about being part of the Libra Association and PayPal did not attend the last association uh, meeting. I think it was the last Thursday. Um, and this kind of shows maybe they're having discomfort as well as being part of uh, part of the being uh, of this association. These, these, this is not like a dentist appointment. These companies don't just like accidentally sleep in and forget forget to, to make a meeting, especially with something as big as this, as big as this. And I've said since its inception that Libra or something like it would be launched very soon as kind of a counter to Bitcoin. Um, but I did have a very high degree of confidence that Libra would launch, albeit in a different form from the white paper. But it seems that this is looking to be less and less likely. And I might have been wrong about Libra um, specifically in its ability to actually launch it all. Well, you know, we're, we're going to see. Um, time will tell. And last up is on gold. Bitcoin and world finance. So we're bringing a little bit of Peter Schiff into, into the world. Um, if you've been following the markets, uh, traditional markets lately, you'll have seen that there's recession fears that are growing in the U.S. And basically, if the U.S. is having recession fears, the world is going to be having recession fears. Um, and this recession has been on the horizon for a while now. In fact, we're way past due um, for one, given all what happened in 2008. Uh, but also just the historical boom and bust cycles that we've seen in the U.S. economy. And 
I'm not 100% sure that this is going to be the quote-unquote the big one as it's possible that they can pull one more rabbit out of the hat to let the economy kind of, you know, as we start to dip into a recession again, that they can kind of pull it back one last time um, to limp along as they kind of continue to extricate value out of this market as much as possible. And, uh, I, you know, it, it's really hard to tell these sorts of things and when they're going to happen. I thought it would have happened a while ago, but there's a lot of things. The shale oil boom fracking really brought a lot of money into the United States. And I, I think that is a big part of why things have been kind of okay for much longer than I thought that they would be. Um, so, you know, the one, the, the big one, when it does come is going to make 2008 look very, very tame. And like I said, I don't think we're necessarily on the verge of the big one, but definitely on the verge of some sort of recession. But there's so many false signals in this economy, uh, you know, and the amount of monetary meth that can still be pumped in. Uh, it's really impossible to kind of pinpoint. And even when there's not false signals, it's still difficult to pinpoint because a lot of it's based on people and people uh, can be very irrational. Um, that being said, as global recession fears, you know, have risen gold and not Bitcoin has been performing well in the face of it, right? There's a period a few months back where Bitcoin happened to go up right around the same time that there was some dumps in the stock market. And everyone's going, okay, it was, you know, we are, we're, you know, obviously everyone's flying to Bitcoin as a, as a hedge. And that was very hopey of me. I don't, I, I, that was just, it was, you know, it's way too coincidental um, to, you know, whenever you just look at one incident that fits your narrative and for you to go, oh, well, obviously the whole world's going to buy into Bitcoin soon. Um, gold has been rising steadily basically over the last few years um, as more and more people have been, you know, getting concerned about this inevitable bust. And Bitcoin in this last boom of recession fears, or I should say that's the boom of recession fears is a, probably a bad way of putting it. But uh, anyways, it fell sharply, which was unrelated, I think, anyways, but gold spiked, well, what goes for a spike in gold, um, but uh, during this same exact time. So I have absolutely no confidence, though, in Bitcoin being a safe haven asset in the re next recession and even the, the bust after that. Um, so why do I think that? And Bitcoin, it's not that it'll kill Bitcoin or anything like that, but we're talking about price. When we're talking about a safe haven asset, if you start talking about more and more people jumping into Bitcoin, we're not talking about uh, what we really, when people talk about that, what they mean is the price is going to go up because as there's more demand, there's only a set amount of supply, uh, th the price will have to go up. Uh, and the price is determined on exchanges. And those who participate, for the most part, in exchanges uh, hodlers, if they buy it on exchange, they're pulling it out. They're not sitting on there and trading it, or at least according to what they say. Um, and so the, the vast majority of these people are speculators. And these are going to be the same people that sell at market orders, which just means like just sell at whatever is the highest price that I can get for this whenever it sells. Um, these are the same people going to sell market orders of their regular stocks and mutual funds when the stock markets start to tank. Uh, and there's no reason or historical evidence that they won't dump Bitcoin as well. They understand Bitcoin even less than they do a mutual fund that's 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 tied to the the S and P 500 index. Um, so there's there's no reason to think that they're going to have some more innate spiritual experience and they're going to hold on to their Bitcoin but dump J P Morgan. It, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. If these people actually truly believed in store of value, 
they wouldn't really be trading it on exchanges per se. They would be, you know, buying it, hodling it or whatever, um, or, or, you know, pulling out of, pulling a chunk of it out uh, to do that constantly, you know, taking a chunk of their profits and, and hodling, which the vast majority of these people do not do. Um, traders aren't doing all this stuff out of principle, uh, out of the principles of Bitcoin and belief in Bitcoin, but out of individual interest, hope for a successful Bitcoin, but not a truly passionate belief in, in the principles of Bitcoin. They're doing it out of their individual interest, out of want to making, uh, wanting to make money, and that's perfectly fine. But it does show that your Bitcoin isn't going to jump up to fifty thousand dollars when the stock market dumps thirty percent, right? So this is not investment advice at all. It's just my opinion on the facts um, as I see them. And feel free to disagree. You know, comment on this video, hit me up on Twitter, whatever you want. Uh, I, I'm just, I have no confidence whatsoever. And I've not seen any evidence that all these speculators, all these traders are going to all of a sudden just hold Bitcoin all the way down. Uh, uh, that they're going to hold Bitcoin and in fact, buy more Bitcoin when the stock market starts to dump. I don't see that at all. And I would really... I'm willing to listen. I'd really be happy to actually be wrong on this, but I don't think don't think that I am. So, oh, uh, I also promised in the last wrap up that I was going to be focusing on more positive stories, and you know, once again, a lot of these stories were not positive. So I think we should end on a positive note. And so my positive story for the week is you, the listeners. You are, you know, participating in something right now that is much bigger than yourselves, and something that most other people don't see and they don't see the potential so this puts you ahead of the the curve historically so you should be really happy that you are able to see the forest for the trees right so that that saying uh, usually is in the opposite where they can say oh well so and so uh doesn't see the you know, sees a, doesn't see the forest for the trees and what they mean by that is you're focusing on a detail on one single tree but you're not focusing on the larger picture on the forest itself and that is what we are doing right now we are focusing on the forest we are we have by 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 believing in bitcoin by understanding what bitcoin is and its potential you are able to push yourself back you are able to see the total forest and you're going to be able to see trends and patterns a lot better once you really start to understand Bitcoin. So be happy. Be you know, pat yourself on the back right now. Those of you listening, that's the sound of a pat. Do it yourself right now. I'll wait. Okay, good job. So, anyways, I appreciate you guys uh, listening. I, you know, I thank you for for taking time out of your week and uh, to listen or, or watch right now if you're on YouTube. Um, I do really, really appreciate that. The numbers have been going up. So thank you if you've been sharing. And, um, you know, feel free to hit me up at any time on any of my social media. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, or you could email me as well at Dustin at DigiNoCrypto.com. Um, you can also find the links to my social media at DigiNoCrypto.com. Or in, if you're watching on YouTube right now, directly below will be the uh, links to my various social media profiles. So thanks again and uh, have a lovely uh, day, week, month, whenever, wherever this finds you. 